Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Cheyenne Nenham, and I want to welcome you to the April 10th episode of the Bull Bear Banter. Tom Guinan is going to give us a recap of the corn and soybean markets for the week. Thanks, Cheyenne. May corn futures finished the week at 3.31 and 3 quarters, and that's up a penny from last Friday. December corn ended at 3.50 and 3 quarters on Thursday, and that was unchanged for the week. May soybean futures were up 9, ending at 8.63 and a half. That's up 9 and a quarter for the week. And November soybeans gained about 8 on Thursday to close at 8.75 and 3 quarters, up 14 and a half from last Friday. So, all week, I was thinking that the big story was going to be the USDA's WASD that was released on Thursday morning. But I believe that was a little overshadowed by news about the agreement reached in the oil industry by OPEC+. The main message is that this group will be reducing production by 10 million barrels per day during May and June. OPEC expects all global storage facilities to be full and crude oil prices to be in the single digits if they don't make these cuts. Saudi Arabia also said they expect these cuts to last beyond 2022. With this agreement, it would mean that both Russia and the Saudis will produce 8.5 million barrels a day, or about 2 million per day less for Russia and about 4 million less for Saudi Arabia. They also expect other countries to cut production by 5 million barrels per day. By other countries, they mean Mexico and the U.S. Within a few hours of this announcement, Mexico released a statement that they would not be cutting their production. In fact, they expect to continue with their plan to increase output. This is probably what led crude oil prices to fall at the end of the day Thursday, losing more than $2 by the end of the day. Earlier in the day, crude oil was up more than $3. Well, let's talk about those bull bear factors. For the corn bull factors, Exports marked the second week in a row for record shipments this marketing year with 50.1 million bushels. That was above market expectations and just surpassing the previous week's 50 million bushel level. Just as important, it exceeded the average needed pace of roughly 40 million bushels per week in order to hit the USDA's 1.725 billion bushel export projection, which was left unchanged in Thursday's WASD report. Cumulative export inspections of 761 million bushels are still down 37% from last year's 1.21 billion at this time, but they are gaining ground. U.S. corn is still the cheapest in the world all the way into June, and that should lead to a continuation of good export sales for a few weeks. The production cuts agreed to between Russia and Saudi Arabia will be a step in the right direction and hopefully give some support to the ethanol industry at some point. On the bear factors for corn, as expected, U.S. ethanol production dropped last week, setting a new all-time low of 198 million gallons, down from 247 million gallons the previous week and almost two-thirds of last year's same-week production of 295 million. The previous record low production since the EIA began providing weekly data in 2010 was 226 million gallons, and that was during January of 2013. This week's ethanol production implied usage of just 67 million bushels of corn, which is down 33 million from the same week last year. Even with this reduction, ethanol stocks increased to a record 1.138 billion gallons, up 58 million gallons from the previous week and reflecting an increase of 164 million gallons from this point last year. U.S. ethanol stocks are approaching 10% of the total annual domestic demand and reflect more than 40 days worth of production at this week's level. 
Yesterday's WASDI also cut U.S. ethanol use by an unprecedented 375 million bushels. That went to 5.05 billion bushels due to the stay-at-home orders and a decline of about 45% in gasoline consumption. There are some analysts saying that USDA will need to make further cuts in subsequent reports with this number eventually falling below 5 billion bushels. That 97 million planted acres in last week's report is particularly negative for new crop. With decent weather and trendline yields, ending stocks for new crop corn could very well be over 3 billion bushels, and that is also going to limit rallies for corn. Soybean bull factors include information from the WASDA report where USDA reduced South American production by 3.5 million metric tons, or about 128 million bushels. They did this by reducing Brazil's output by 1.5 million metric tons, and they reduced Argentina by 2 million metric tons. Some analysts expect further cuts. Hope remains for China to eventually fulfill more of their Phase 1 purchases of U.S. ag products, and that should lead to better export demand for soybeans. We continue to hear that China is asking for U.S. Gulf offers for late August and September with new crop purchases all the way into January. Any new crop bookings should help support new crop months and potentially pull up old crop values as well. On bear factors for soybeans, the negative from the WASDI was the increase in the U.S. soybean ending stocks, now estimated at 480 million bushels. That's up from 425 million. 50 million of this was due to a cut in exports. There are some that believe exports could, should be cut further based on the export pace so far this year. U.S. soybean export shipments last week were just 11 million bushels and at the very bottom of market expectations. This is also a decline from the previous week's 14.2 million bushels and a complete opposite of corn as soybean exports have now set new marketing year lows for two consecutive weeks. Year-ago exports this week were 32.7 million bushels. This brings the year-over-year gain in cumulative exports now at 1.172 billion bushels, to about 6% above last year at this time. As far as what to watch for in upcoming events, this Sunday is Easter, and with everything going on with regard to COVID-19 and social distancing, I am sure it will be a little different for all of us compared to normal family traditions. I did see something earlier this week about the Prime Minister of New Zealand taking some time out of a press conference to reassure children that the Easter Bunny, as well as the Tooth Fairy, have been deemed essential workers. We certainly hope you enjoy time with your family, whether in person, by phone, or video conferencing this weekend. Next Monday, the 13th, is Easter Monday, which is a holiday in much of the EU. On Tuesday, the 14th, Texas regulators will meet to discuss cuts to oil production there. Our next WASD report will be out on May 12th. By that time, we'll also have a much better feel for planting progress in the U.S. So why does it all matter? As we mentioned last week, we know that field work and planting take precedence this time of year, as it should. We just want to remind you to continue to take good care of any grain you have stored at home as we continue to hear of issues across the Midwest. There is a larger than usual demand for good quality corn and soybeans in the U.S. and beyond, and many are looking to Iowa to fill those needs. Also, as you are busy in the fields, don't forget if and when we do see any kind of bouncer rally, a good way to capitalize on it is by having a firm offer in place. This week, we're going to start adding another segment to the podcast called Tom's Take, basically my perspective on the grain markets. This week, I'd like to spend a little time looking at some of the other commodities that have been under pressure the past 30 days and how they have recovered since they hit their low on the board of trade. We'll start with crude oil futures, which are traded two different ways. One is West Texas Intermediate, which hit a low on March 30th at $19.27 a barrel. 
At the close this Thursday, it was up $3.49 from that low, or about 18% higher. Brent crude oil is used by much of the rest of the world, and it hit a low on April 1st at $24.54, but has since climbed $6.94 a barrel, or 28% higher. Ethanol futures also hit a low on April 1st at about $0.83 a gallon, and have since climbed $0.11, or 13%. And finally, gasoline futures, referred to as RBOB, they hit a low of almost $0.46 on March 23rd, and they are now up more than $0.21 a gallon, or an amazing 47% higher. The Dow Jones is up more than 25% from its low as well. So let's compare those to our commodities of corn and soybeans. May and December corn futures hit their lows this past Monday on the 6th, with May bottoming out at 325 and a half, and it is now up six and a quarter. December's low was 346 and a quarter, and through Thursday's close was up four and a half. Both of these are up only a little more than one percent. It's a little better for beans, with May futures up 32 and three quarters from their low mid-March, and November futures up 39 through Thursday. Both of these are up about four percent. So my point here is that by looking at the recovery of these other commodities, it gives me a little hope for better days for corn and soybeans. If we could somehow eke out even a 10 to 15% increase from the low, that would mean that corn would be 30 to 50 cents higher than the low, and beans would be 85 cents to $1.20 higher. Granted, there are other items impacting corn and soybean values, so I'm not saying wait for a 50 cent rally or a $1.20 rally in beans. But what I am saying is that if crude and gasoline can maintain their gains, or perhaps even add to them, we should begin to see corn and beans recover a bit more. If and when we see any kind of weather-led rally this spring, we should all be thinking about pricing out some, if not most, of our old crop and maybe even looking at pricing some new crop. I agree with Cheyenne's earlier comment, it's time to get your offers in place. Well, Tom, I think that's all we have today. We appreciate you joining us for the Bull Bear Banter. If you'd like to contact us, you can send a tweet to at Landis Co-op or drop an email to podcast at LandisCooperative.com. Our tagline is bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs just go to market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll both be back with you next week. Mm-hmm.